Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. Tanner Isaacs grew up in a small town in northern Minnesota. He found his love for horses and competition through the sport of rodeo. This love led him to Colorado State University in 2011, where he studied animal and equine sciences. Here, he was able to explore his passion as it led into a career through classes, internships, and as a competitive member and leader of the rodeo team. Tanner quickly became hooked on reproduction when he began working at Colorado State's Equine Reproduction Laboratory. In the spring of 2015, he interned for Vista Equine Colorado, and it solidified his future aspirations of equine reproduction as a career path. In 2017, Tanner was hired on as the breeding farm manager at Vista Equine, which has since grown his passion for both equine reproduction as well as for the quarter horse racing industry. At Vista Equine, Tanner oversees the management on the breeding side in the spring and the sales preparation portion in the late summer through the fall, in addition to the management of their internship programs throughout the year. Outside of the barn, Tanner spends time with his wife and her family working on their commercial sheep operation. He has also ventured into the photography side of things with his new startup company, Diamond Cross Ag Services, where he works with clients and friends to help to market their horses through photos and sale videos. Tanner and his wife began to establish their own breeding program through his first mare that he owned, as well as through partnerships with great friends in the quarter horse racing industry. Over the past year, Tanner has served as a director on the board for Rocky Mountain Quarter Horse Association for their racing division. Hey, Tanner. Thanks so much for joining the podcast today. It's going to be fun to get to talk to you um, since we go back to the rodeo team at Colorado State, but our listeners are going to get to know you too. Awesome. I'm excited, Katie. Well, let's start at the very beginning. What is your job, Tanner? So I am the breeding farm manager at Vista Equine Colorado here in Windsor, Colorado. So my job title pretty much encompasses the overall aspects of the breeding farm. During the breeding season, I'm running the computer putting in palpations and that, working with the vets, uh, calling in semen orders, coordinating a lot of things with the mares and the stallions that were getting shipped to us and getting our stallions shipped out. I work with a team, uh, two veterinarians, uh, myself, a couple ladies in the office, great couple uh, employees that help me get everything done around there, uh, and then the two owners of the business, as well as my interns. Pretty much, I get to be around the stallion handling, the semen processing, the uh, embryo collections, helping the vets get ready to transfer those embryos, as well as the farm management side where I get to be in charge of uh, playing the game of Tetris of uh, which mares are going to be where and uh, who's coming in and who's going out and who's ready to go home. Uh, I also am head of the internship program here. Um, we get a lot of students, especially from CSU, equine sciences that come out for our summer and our spring sections. With that uh, farm management side, I'm in charge of making sure the facility is upkept. Um, I've got a team of six great guys that help me uh, make sure the place is looking great, fixing waters, all that kind of stuff in the after hours. Pretty much anything you can do horse-related, that's what I get to spend my time doing at Vista. That sounds magical. Plus, it sounds like you pretty much eat, sleep, and breathe there, like all the things. Pretty much. I feel like my time here is way more than uh, my time elsewhere. Uh, pretty much get to spend most of my life here or at home. Well, it's a good thing you love it. That makes it worth it. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us more about what exactly is Vista Equine for people who might not know. So Vista Equine is an equine breeding facility. Um, we specialize in uh, breeding management of mares, 
uh, stallion management. We stand five or six stallions during the breeding season, but we have tons of great stallions um, that come in and get collected um, and stand here like Can Man. Uh, we have Flair Frivery, uh, Black Mamba. We kind of have all sorts of disciplines from the barrel racing to the racehorse to the rainers. Um, we work with foreign management. So a lot of the mares that we breed come back the next year and we get to fold those mares out, spend time with those foals, get the mare bred and send them back home. With the embryo transfer side of things, we uh, run a recipient herd here um, that we transfer our embryos into from our uh, donor mares, as well as we get clients that ship in embryos from all over the United States to us to transfer into our recipients. Um, and once those recipients, uh, those embryos have a heartbeat, we get to send those recipients to the new owners. Um, the other parts that we do here, we do the advanced reproductive techniques of oocyte aspiration. So we'll aspirate those mares. Um, get those oocytes, ship them off to facilities like CSU, Equi Embryo, and those type of places. And we um, inject them, do the ICSI process, and ship those embryos back to us. And then in the off-season right now, we change over our facility into a sales preparation facility. So right now, I think we have 50 yearlings on site that we're sales prepping for major sales. Like I'm headed off to the Rio Dosis to collect yearling sales. Um, we have Heritage Place and so with all those racehorses, Los Alamitos, and as well as we have quite a few rainers here that will be headed to the NRHA maturity sale in December. Super fun. Have you looked at your job like from a January through December basis? What percentage would you say is like breeding farm and what percentage you say is like sales prep? Um, kind of our breeding season starts. We get our recipient mares here in late November. A lot of donor mares will come in, uh, be under lights here at our barn uh, and get turned out. Um, so really December, we start getting things in. It goes slow through January, but that's kind of my time where we have a couple sales actually in January as well. Um, and as mares come in, they start foaling January. So January 1st is our official start of the foaling date. Uh, breeding starts February 1st. And then I go through about about the middle of June. Um, we'll still be rocking and rolling. We've got a lot of breeders still in June uh, and into July. But at that point in time, I step away from the stock area and kind of try to do my major focus more towards on the yearlings, getting them in. Um, most of our sales are later in the fall, so they get their 90 days starting a little bit later. But for those that Vista has raised and some of our clients that have them in those earlier sales, they like to get them in here June 1st, so they're ready and raring to go for those uh, August sales. Yeah, for sure. Um, can you just give us like a 10,000 foot view of like what sales prep means and like what that encompasses? Yeah, so essentially we are preparing our yearlings um, so that at any moment, a client could stop by with to check out their yearlings and have a buyer with them and they're ready to go. Uh, we go through, uh, they start a workout program with us, uh, which is essentially is just halter breaking for most of them at the beginning. We work in the round pen. We work on some groundwork, that kind of stuff, and exercise in the round pen, and then we get them broke to our hot walker. Uh, every single day, all 50 of them get brushed and groomed, and half of them get vacuumed and bathed when needed, uh, but they all kind of go on a workout program with us. Through our sales prep, then we... Um, we'll make sure that their photos are taken, um, their advertisement go out. Uh, but for all of our consigners that are meet us at the sales, we get quite a few of those. We have good clients out in California that like to sales prep their own, but then bring them and we represent them at the sales. So they'll be setting them there. But essentially just getting them looking 100%, getting them ready to start their careers, whether it's in the racing industry or in the raining or barrel racing circuit. Gotcha. It's a lot. I think it's a lot more goes into it than people realize to make them as shiny and perfect as they, as you see them, you know, when it, they're it at that does. stage. It does. It takes a lot. I feel like when you, I brush these horses way more than I brush my own. And, um, but <laughs> I take a lot of pride in how well these yearlings get to turn out for our clients. 
Yeah. Can you give us like general numbers? Um, maybe that's hard, but it'd be cool to know kind of a general perspective of like how many mirrors and folds or how many sales, you know, yearlings and that kind of thing you have just for like a scope of how big the operation is. Yeah. Um, so I would say, so we use a neck tagging system here on site for our facility, um, which just is a way to help us um, remember who is who and help with the computer system. But just on a breeding management perspective, I believe that we, I just tagged um, our last mare that came in was 209. So wow. that is just 209 mares that are carrying their own foal uh, that we bred to carry. Uh, on top of embryos, um, it's crazy to think of how many transfers we've done. Um, I know recipient-wise, we tagged over into the mid to late 200 on those and on those recips, um, as well as we do freezing of embryos. We just got an embryo this morning and we got to freeze that. So we'll transfer that next year. So the embryos are hard to keep numbers up, especially when it comes to our oocyte aspirations and a lot of those clients that get more embryos than they kind of were thinking we're going to take through that uh, ICSI process. But a lot of those will freeze as well. So those ones can be anywhere from up in the 300, I'd say, as we do on embryos. Uh, in folds, I feel like we do probably, we pull up probably about between 150 and 200 folds per year. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Those are bigger numbers than I thought you were going to say. <laughs> awesome. it, it is. It, there's a lot. And it, it's crazy to see, um, you know, we work with a wide variety of disciplines, um, which is kind of nice too. It helps us lengthen our bowling season. Our last bowl was actually born July 4th this year. Um, which was exciting, but we had one, I think January 3rd was our earliest this year. We didn't have any January 1st babies, but, um, so we go all year round, but because we have so many different clients from warm blood to race horse, quarter horse racers to Arabians, all sorts of horses come through here. Um, you kind of get a whole different perspective. You have a lot of families that they like, they get pulled out at home. So they want the nicer weather. They don't care about the early birth date because they're not going to take those offspring off and compete on them until they're older too. Sure. How fun. Oh, I just love babies. That's so much fun. <laughs> well, can you talk us through like a typical day at Vista? Um, right now, my day starts off at 6.30 or 7 in the morning, depending on how hot it's going to be that day. And that's when we're just rock and rolling through those yearlings. We have them separated into three groups. So you work two and one uh, gets the day off and gets bathed and that. So you work all those yearlings um, with our crew, you know, round penning them, you know, doing putting on the hot walker, exercising them, getting them all groomed up. Uh, moving off into the later one. Um, usually we get done with sales prep about one o'clock in the afternoon, I'd say. We feed lunch to all the yearlings and then we get to take lunch ourselves. My afternoons then are a lot of times getting ready for the sales, packing the trailers, making sure I have all the supplies, um, working with our hay guys to make sure that we're getting all the hay in for next year because it takes a lot of hay to make sure everybody is fed here. Our afternoons are a lot of our fall projects, especially now is when we're working on getting ready for next year. We're going through success rates. We're going through that kind of stuff. So it's a lot of either in the office or maintenance work here. Breeding season-wise, those days are a lot longer than these days. So I, I don't mind my earlier afternoons. I can get done by four around here um, in the fall. Because those days we start here a lot of the time. Uh, Jake, who's one of the owners and the veterinarians, and I will come in early, especially if we have an outside aspiration, um, and try to do those mares 5.30 or 6 in the morning. Uh, depending on just how the day's going to look because those procedures take a little bit of time. Um, but we rock and roll. We start out at 7 o'clock on the dot. Everybody is calling and any semen order I placed the day before, they want a confirmation and know if that mare is going to need the semen shipped to them or not. So we're running through all of our early palpations and we palpate all of the donors first. We go through any mare that we're ordering semen on and that tracking their cycles. Um, while they're here, they pretty much get palpated every single day so we can 
uh, make sure there's like we get everything timed up right for collection days or for the frozen semen. Uh, after that, a lot of times it's a lot more of the treatment mares, mares that are fighting a uterine infection or we need to do the lavages and that kind of stuff, getting them um, more on the medical side treated up so that they're fertile and have a good uterus uh, to maintain that pregnancy. Usually in that time, that's about by 10 o'clock. And so by that time, our courier service is ready to pick up semen. So we have to have all the stallions that are being shipped out collected and ready to go. So by 10, 11 o'clock, we have to make sure those orders are filled. Um, in that time, we have recips running up, making sure that we're going to get the one sorted out that we need to get checked. You know, checking all the new pregnancies for us, um, that's one of the best parts. <laughs> the worst and the best, but uh, is when we do a successful embryo transfer, the next stage is then the waiting process to see if she takes. So we know all that by like day 12, day 14. So those are when we bring up that tent, kind of a a fun time at the stocks. Sometimes it's not as fun, but that's kind of the, the game of repro. It sounds stressful. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. It's stressful, but rewarding. That's for sure. Yeah. Walk us through what a typical day is like at a sales. When you're hauling off these yearlings to like Riedoso, for example, what does that day look like? So those are, those are early, early mornings, especially the yearlings, the racehorse sales. Those ones, a lot of times people are down, ready to go. Um, looking at your horse by, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning. They want to see them right away. These sales have ton, a ton of great yearlings. And so it takes a while for the buyers to be able to go through. So they get an early start. But just like anybody else in the ag industry, our day starts off four or five in the morning, getting everybody ready, getting out to the barns, getting everybody fed, watered and that. Um, and then from there on out, it is just go time. We are grooming them, making, vacuuming them, you know, shining them up, looking good. Uh, we have break off into crews. We have a couple of people grooming and doing feet and another couple of people going out and cleaning stalls and getting them all ready for the day. Then, you know, most of the time eight o'clock hits and you're, you got your game face on. You have all your prospective buyers coming through, trainers that want to see. Um, it's always fun when you have an all show. You get a trainer that knows you have a barn full of great horses and he just says, bring them all. Uh, <laughs> and so you're out there showing them, talking about your favorite ones. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts about being able to work every day with these yearlings. You really get to see them progress and watch them as an individual. Um, so when it comes time for a trainer or a prospective buyer to go, you know the ins and outs of this horse better than anybody else. They really look forward to talking with my crew and saying, hey, which one's your favorite? You know, what are, what are faults on this and that? And so you spend your day doing that. And then uh, as the sale picks up, it starts going down in the alleyway. And then it's go time. You get to go bring your horse out. Nothing's better than the makeup ring. Everybody's out there. You know, you got three good race horses trotting around on the muscle and everybody's looking great um, and people are buying and that's always a fun time. Yeah, for sure. Well, and something that, you know, some people don't get to see, right? Or have no idea that that segment of the industry even exists. It's really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something that came new to me and there's nothing that gets your heart racing. And when you're sitting there and you have a yearling, that's just bringing way more money than you could ever I could ever spend on a horse right now and you just know that you can go off to a great career starting off to a good start for sure can you tell us like what's your highest seller um we had one of our greatest sales is the Los Alamitos uh quarter horse sale in 2018 we had three in the top five sellers there was like 165,000 185,000 a couple that are up there 100,000 marks um and so those were huge that was that was quite the sale and it continues to be one of our best sales. We have a lot of consigners that meet us there with their great horses, and that just makes it all the more fun when you know uh, you're starting to get that reputation out there of, hey, this is where those those great horses are. They're going to bring top dollar, but they're worth it. 
Absolutely. Ooh, have fun. Goosebumps. I can't even imagine walking a horse in the ring. <laughs> Holy cow. There, there's nothing nothing like coming back. We always like to take turns. You know, nobody gets to call dibs on any horse. It's definitely fun when you get to bring one through that brings that kind of money. Yeah. <laughs> well, I bet you have a couple of myths uh, in your line of work. So maybe on the repro side or maybe in the quarter horse racing side. But what are some myths that you hear of uh, from the equine industry? And can we bust them? One of the biggest myths is I think that every cycle, not every mare, every cycle is completely different for a mare. I think that is one of the most challenging things about repro. Uh, there's nothing more frustrating than a mare that you've gotten, you know, two embryos out of with two different stallions and it's going great. And then you go to do the third embryo and no luck, no luck, no luck. There's just so many different aspects to the breeding side. There's so many different variables that it's hard to, it takes a while to pinpoint down. And um, that's the frustrating part. Because, you know, you get when you have good luck, it feels good. When you have bad luck, it really, really feels like it's bad luck. The other big myth, I think, is the hours it takes to make a breeding facility work. Until you have done an internship here or you've done an internship um, anywhere or worked at a breeding facility, I don't think you truly understand what the hours to take. Yeah. So just because the phones are just going into voicemail or, you know, this after office hours, uh, it doesn't mean that that's when the day is over. Oh, our veterinarians deserve every ounce of credit that they get because those guys bust their butt during the breeding season. They're here. We get embryos. We get semen that are sh- is shipped in in the middle of the night. We have embryos that come in the middle of the night. We have, you know, being a having this many operations, one of the things I tell my interns is that when you have this many horses born, this many foals, you're going to see those 1% things. And so our vets are dealing with that kind of stuff in the late hours. You know, there's been plenty of times where Dr. Rodriguez or Dr. Garcia has been here in the morning and I get here and I'm like, hey, good morning. When did you get, how much did you get? And they're like, well, I've been here since nine. I'm like, but we left at seven. They're like, yes, I know. I went home and I Aww. showered and I came back because I had a lot of things. And we had a pole that kept us up all night, um, air, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't think that until you actually put in time, you don't really realize how long a breeding season is. Not just days, but it is hours in the day. For sure. It's grueling. Absolutely. I would say it just the reward in the end process is totally worth it. There's nothing better uh, than making somebody's dream come true, getting the fold that they've always wanted, getting them that breeding that they've always dreamt of, and that kind of stuff. But it doesn't come without without heartache and without a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and rings around the eyes because your sleep is a valuable thing in the spring for us. <laughs> for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit more about you, Tanner. So what led you here? Like, how did you get to working with Vista and having this great role with them? My mom always said it. Everything happens for a reason. And you sometimes you just don't know where it's leading you. Um, I, When I was in college, I really found a passion for the equine breeding industry coming into freshman year. I worked at CSU's Repro Center for two seasons. And uh, in that time, I worked in the Oocyte Lab under Dr. Carnavali, um, just kind of helping out. Um, in, in the spring, during the spring semester. Uh, and then as my college career led on, um, I kind of I worked with you as a rodeo team. I did all that kind of stuff. I did the judging team and it got to my senior year and just like everybody, sometimes time just goes by too fast and I didn't actually have an internship credit. And I thought, oh, I can't afford to take my senior year off. I can't, you know, I don't know what I want to do. And I ran into a friend of mine, Leah, um, and she happened to be working at this at the time. And she said, hey, I have an internship open you you should come out and interview for it like well sure you know i like repro i like you know it's fun it's close by i can get all my hours in and i'll be able to graduate this spring and so i started out and my senior semester was crazy 
you know, between working here and rodeoing and being president of the team and all that kind of stuff, I just, I took in a lot at this and I loved every second of it. And I got to the end and, you know, the dream there is one day you do your internship for a company you like and you, they offer you a job and you take it. And when I got to my inter- end of my internship, I got offered the full t- position and I didn't take it, which was kind of funny. I didn't, it just wasn't the right spot for me to stay in Fort Collins at the time. And I uh, was trying to find where I needed to go and I ended up not working here. And so later on down the road, I had gone through a few different jobs and trying to find a new, what career path I wanted. And I thought I would really enjoy teaching. Mm-hmm. And that was something I've always found a big passion is my, all of my family members are teachers. Um, it's kind of a big thing that I find a niche in working with kids and that kind of stuff. And so I had actually gone and worked on getting a teaching job and things just happened. And I was back in Colorado and before I knew it, I was applying for teaching jobs. And for two, my first two interviews, I was the second runner up in both teaching jobs, oh, which nothing, nothing, nothing breaks you down like being second runner up or first <laughs> runner up. <laughs> and at that time, I'd gone back up to the uh, guest ranch I was working at to help um, my friends out for a week, and I get a phone call, uh, and it's Jake Dahl. What's Jake Dahl doing? And at first, I thought it was like, who was Jake Dahl? It's been so long since I've even thought about this. And he calls and asks me what I was doing, and I had just moved in uh, with my wife now, but my girlfriend at the time. And um, I was like, well, I just moved to Fort Collins, and I'm trying to find a job. He's like, well, I've got a job opening. He's like, I need a manager. And so I came down and met with him and Steph, and everything else fell right into place. Totally meant to be. I did not know that yeah. you wanted to, to be a teacher. I had no idea that that chapter even happened. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It just kind of went through when I was looking at the ranch, something I, I wanted to do something else, and I thought maybe more schooling would be it. So I did a semester back in Minnesota, and I realized that I love love my family, and um, but I really, my heart was in Colorado. That's where I needed to be, and that surely it turns out that maybe teaching wasn't, but... Uh, that's one thing I have loved about this job is being able to work with my interns has been so satisfying. Uh, it fulfills that part of my desires in my career that I get to keep working with students, work, but instead of high school students like I thought it was going to be, it ends up being college students that I was not in their, I was in their shoes not that long ago. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, and those interns are lucky <laughs> to have you and to learn from you. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you think that your extracurriculars, um, so I know you mentioned the CSU rodeo team. Um, you were also part of the Legends of Ranging program at CSU. You were also on the judging team. Do you feel like those extracurriculars helped prepare you for the quote unquote real world? I do. I think working on the rodeo team, especially um, throughout the time that we were there, um, it was such a huge uh, curveball into my life that I didn't really think I would would have been ready for had I not had a lot of other things like prepare me, great mentors, um, great other uh, fellow students to work alongside with because it was such an independent thing. But I think that really helped me with the, my leadership skills, uh, being able to be president for two years, uh, working with the team, working with the club, putting on the rodeo and all that was, was huge in that leadership aspect. And then right in the Legend Ranch and actually had a interview with uh, Kennedy Snyder the other day for their Legend of Ranching program, and she asked the same question if I thought, and I said, well, at the time, I didn't think that it was going to lead me where I needed to be, and now, guess what, 50% of my job is exactly that, sales prepping, representing horses, working with horses, uh, and I love every bit of it, so I feel like that actually has a bigger toll in it in my career now than I thought it would have. For sure. I feel like that's a good segue uh, into a little bit of advice. So if you could turn back time and talk to your freshman college self, what would you say? I would say that 
every opportunity is a good opportunity to meet somebody. Uh, you never know which person, you know, might be stopping you on the tractor one day uh, just to say hi and how much they could change your career. I think that at any point you could come across somebody who could really change your life um, and help you uh, to succeed. Uh, the other thing is I would take every possible advantage of any opportunity you could. Um, it doesn't, you can be like, you know, one of those track students that comes in and knows exactly what they want to do and where they want to go and everything. Or they, you could be a student like me and just ping pong from rodeo team to meat judging to everything and anything under the sun. I felt like I took every class possible um, that was different than uh, anybody else. And I think that's a great, good thing too. I don't think you can go wrong by just taking whatever opportunity feels right at the time. Great advice. Um, do you have any advice for just anyone in general looking to get into the equine industry as a professional? I mean, you see a lot of different facets and a lot of different people that work in the industry, both as like a hobby um, and professionally. So do you have advice for those people? I think it's the same. Take the experience. I think that, I mean, I'm constantly, um, I work uh, under Jake Dahl, or he's my boss, and he's also one of my biggest mentors. Um, my horsemanship skills keep growing and growing every day. Even when I feel like I am doing great, I learn a new lesson every day. Um, and so taking those opportunities to, to learn from every single uh, professional, whether, you know, it's a racing professional or if it's somebody, a trainer, or if it's somebody working in sales, they're going to just kind of fill you with this arsenal of all these great tools. Your toolkit will be filled. The more opportunities you have, you'll see how one person does it and you get to cater maybe your way a little bit towards them, but you see that it might not work fully, but you learn to adapt and you take what they've taught you and you can bring it in and adapt it to your own way. And I think that's a good learning opportunity. And the more well-rounded you are, the better. I think being able to go around and if you want to be a trainer, you should ride with every type of trainer, trainers that like a horse that is broke and just kind of knows what he's doing to a horse that a trainer likes to be, have a squirrelier horse to, you know, I think you need to be around every type of person as much as you can so you can learn how to make it your own. That is great advice. And I think uh, sometimes we pigeonhole ourselves, right? <laughs> we miss out on those opportunities yeah. because we think this doesn't fit the mold, but sometimes that helps you make your own mold and it's even better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like the more experience you have um, and the more lessons you're willing to learn, that's where you're going to be successful. If you think that your way is the only way, you're, you're going to find out the hard way that you're wrong. <laughs> for sure. Well, what's next for you? I mean, what are you hoping to learn next? Honestly, I keep I, I keep loving every lesson I learn. I feel like uh, one of the biggest passions I've found is in the quarter horse racing. I've really uh, found some good mentors uh, in the uh, clients that we have here. Uh, Mr. Von Cook is one of my best friends and biggest mentors, um, and he's really shown me how that industry can build such a passion in you. That was um, something I keep hoping I can keep learning more in um, and working with the Colorado racing and racing in general, those breeders and that kind of stuff. So that's that's my goal, um, you know, keep establishing a breeding program myself as well as working at Vista and keeping this career going. Yeah, tell us more about um, your business, the Diamond Cross Ag Services. What's that all about? So that was, uh, it's kind of more, uh, it was a company that uh, my wife and I kind of started as an LSD, just as um, I've taken on more as a photography side, um, doing sales photography videos and that kind of stuff for, um, what, most of it comes from our clients, but it, through our clients, I've got to meet more friends that um, I get to build my skill set on taking photos and I do a lot of the sale videos for uh, Vista, as well as Judy Box Quarter Horses over there in Windsor, um, getting those horses ready for, for those videos in for the foot, rainy for charity sale. 
I didn't realize you're the one taking those pictures. They are gorgeous. You are, you do a great Thank job. You. Well, I, it's a new skill set. I just got a camera in October, last October. So I've just been uh, working. Um, I have a good friend, Sammy out in Oklahoma that she's been my texting buddy. And I'm like, Hey, how do I take this? I need to take this picture. I need to do this. What do I need to do? And she's been great. Oh, they're so good. Like I just, I just pulled up your Instagram and I was looking at the buckskin that you just posted recently. Uh, blueberry uh, yeah. buckskin colt. Oh my gosh. First of all, yeah. he, she, he, he's a colt. It's gorgeous. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the picture is yeah, no, beautiful. He, he is a spectacular colt. So that's one that, uh, Jake and his wife have bred and that comes from their uh, long lineage of great mares in the reigning program. He's a spook's got a whiz colt out of one of their top performing uh, mares, Bayberry Shake, and he's, he's been fun. He was one that I got to see. Um, I kind of put it into Revelation this week. It occurred to me that all of the yearlings that I have in the facility right now are all yearlings that my first year here as manager, I got to partake in the breeding of. Oh, man. Full circle. Yeah, full circle. I get to see these guys go out and perform, and uh, Blueberry is one of the great ones that uh, has a good career in the reigning headed in the future. Super fun. Well, and you know, darn you, how sad. You get to look at these gorgeous horses all day. Oh, shocking. Exactly. <laughs> I, I love that. We're such a great clientele here at Vista um, that has such fun mares, and it's great to see them come back every year, uh, get pictures of what the foals are doing, and so where are they now type situations are my favorite. Yeah. Well, let's talk more about horses. Tell us about your personal horses. My niece asked me the other day how many I had, and I had to admit to her that I had seven. Um, my, my herd is quite grown up, but I'm um, getting to the point where I get to have a few babies that I get to start selling this year. My horse program starts off with a mare. Her name's Rocky. She was a mare that I purchased when I was 17 years old. Um, and it was kind of that horse that I thought, you know what? This is going to be the start of everything. And I actually found her on Craigslist and I went down and I got to take, um, down and buy her out in Wisconsin and I got her as a two year old. And so it was the first horse I really got to get my hands on training and going through that kind of stuff um, while I was in high school. And then when I came out to college, she was, uh, I think, three or four at the time and kept her out here and started roping on her my freshman year uh, in practices. And then after my freshman year, I got to uh, compete on her. And she became a really good heel horse and a calf horse and uh, just kind of an all-around horse. I use at the ranch a lot. And uh, she's just one of those once-in-a-lifetime horses. And so I always joke that Rocky was my, if I want to do something, I'm going to try it. So when I wanted to take a horse and train it it was rocky and when i wanted a calf up on a horse and it was rocky and at one point my buddy and i decided we wanted to try mountain shooting so i just grabbed rocky because i figured well, why not she'll try it um, <laughs> and then that kind of led me into the breeding program because when i was a senior and i was doing an internship here i um, fell in love with one of the stallions that Janie jill and bill Toynton have shiny little nick um he's just one of the most spectacular stallions i've been around and i just remember falling in love with him as a intern and so as a college graduation president myself i bred rocky and got to have a fold the next spring um her name was uh shiny on the rockies and we call her francis and she turned into my, now my my next rocky in that time i so that was kind of the start of my breeding program was through her uh, and then i luckily have two more of her offspring that are by our reigning stallion uh, aria's black mamba so i have a yearling that we're still prepping right now um getting him ready to go uh, and then I have a wing wing as well. Super fun. Well, and I yeah. love Rocky. I mean, I'm partial to Rocky because you rodeoed on her and she's yeah. wonderful. Uh, but yeah. is awesome. Like, she's just gorgeous. Yeah, she has turned into a great mare. Rocky has been been huge. And then um, I've been 
really blessed in my life to come across really great people. And Vaughn and Jill Cook, uh, they kind of helped me out last year working with uh, one of our clients, Stallion, that we stand here, Flair for Ivory. And then they had a mare that they weren't going to use. And so they, one of their racing mares. And so they went partners on me on an embryo and get the pole out of that. Uh, and so that was kind of a big niche for me. Uh, having my first race pole born this year was kind of a, a, a great thing for me. Yeah. Um, so we've got that little, she's just about to be a weanling that I'm excited to next year get the sales prep. And uh, the Flair for Ivory babies, they're just yearlings this year, his first crop, and they are spectacular. So I'm excited to see what this little girl does. Yeah, for sure. What's her name? Oh, I haven't sent it off to the registry, but we just call her Fortitude. She comes from a lot of hard work, so we just call her Fort. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> That's a very tender yeah. name. <laughs> yeah. Is that everybody? Is that yeah. all seven? And then I should, I guess I, so I have another uh, cap whooping horse that my wife is definitely her horse, which is Newt, uh, Gellin that we bought. And then, um, I had another client who was very, very great to me. Um, he was one like Vaughn who knew that I had a passion in racing. Um, and I think that that's one thing that as you get further on, it's all about helping the next person get to where you're at. You know, life is about supporting each other and filling each other up. And once you reach the top of the ladder, you start reaching down and pulling other people up there. Uh, and Mr. George Seward uh, approached me last year about an opportunity to go partners on him with a mare. And so he had a mare that he didn't really want to sell. And uh, he thought, well, she's a good mare. And if you want to, I'll, I'll buy the stud feed and you raise the foal and we'll split it and get you started. So uh, Mr. Seward has been great to me and my wife and our family to be able to get a rude mare and get started in the industry as well. That's so cool. I'm so excited to watch you guys just blossom and grow and, and have all these horses grow up and expand. And it's so fun. Yeah, it, it, it's exciting. I, I like having, it's kind of cool to look back at Rocky's babies and having a four-year-old, a yearling, and a weanling and just kind of see this generation go and see what those babies are going to do. It's going to be really big for us this year. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm sure that you have several memories to choose from, <laughs> but do you have a most memorable moment with horses that you can share? Oh, gosh. I guess when I look back, I really remember Rocky. Rocky has a ton, a ton of great memories. Um, I, I'll never forget the day I bought her. Uh, and I thought for sure this is, this guy is not, not going to sell me this horse. And, you know, I offered a little bit lower thing because it was the first business sale I did and he just laughed at me. And, but it came from such a good family and, uh, he knew I needed, wanted to get started on a young horse and, uh, he sold it to me. And I remember just being so proud and I got an order up right away in the morning that I had to go back to work. I was in high school working at the gas station. I had to work at like two o'clock in the afternoon or something and drove all the way up. And I remember meeting my mom at the, she's like, just pull over at the bowling alley before you drop her off. I got to see this horse. I got to <laughs> see her. And she was just so proud and she cried and I cried and we were just so excited because I'd bought my first horse. I don't even want to say that, tell everybody I bought her for 450 bucks, but no <laughs> it way. was the best <laughs> of my life. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have a horse industry recommendation for us? So give me Anything horse related, if it's a product that you guys, you know, you can't live without or an event that you think everyone should go to, just, just one thing from the industry that you'd like to share. Oh, one thing I think, um, I'd like to wish everybody, all of our reigning clients, Ryan Russian and all those guys, uh, good luck this weekend in Tulsa. Uh, they're getting ready for the show. Um, whatever client of, I, of mine I can reach out to, Ryan or Adam over at Judy Box and on the reigning side and Bradbury's and the Stewards, I think. All those people, if you're looking for great horses in those industries, those are some of the top breeders out there for the racing and the reining in the, in the Colorado area. Um, I will say I'll put in the plug for Neutrina. Neutrina is one of our, our great 
feeds that we feed here where all of our yearlings are brought up on neutrino feeds and uh, we love I love how that turns out all of our mares thrive on and all of our weanings do it's a great product so Perfect recommendations. That's awesome. Well, do you have any non-horse recommendations for us? So I know you eat, sleep, and breathe horses, uh, but I also know that you're a fun guy and you do lots of cool things. So <laughs> anything that's not horse-related that you think our listeners should check out? That's hard. My life is pretty much mostly wrapped around horses. Well, that's a hard one, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, everybody by this time has already seen Yellowstone. If you haven't yet, check it out, because that's all the talk in the barn today was all about Yellowstone. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely on the top of the industry's list of best watched TV shows. Yeah, that's, that'll be my plug. That's cheating. That's still horse-related, but I'll take it. <laughs> I know. It's all right. I told you. Yeah. <laughs> I go, go and eat some uh, Colorado sheep, Colorado-grown sheep. My wife's family, they're generations of sheep ranchers, and so lamb is always in our freezer, so I have to put the plug in for American lamb, that's for sure. There, perfect. That's That's great. I think a lot of people are scared to try lamb, but once you have it, it is delicious. Like if you never have, you know, I, it's magical. Yeah, and my my wife's family has cooked the best lamb, and we had it at a wedding, and all of my relatives still to this day like rave about lamb. And even my sister was over, and my two-year-old nephew was eating gyros, and was like, he has not eaten this much food his entire life. I'm like, oh, well, that should be guys some lamb because it, it is good. <laughs> delicious. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, well, the last thing I have for you, um, we're going to play a little bit of a game. So we're going to play this or that, and I'm just going to throw questions at you, um, one or the other, and you'll just pick, and you don't have to have any reason for which one you pick or why, and we'll just go through them sort of rapid fire. Perfect. Ready? Yep. Belt or straw? Straw. Would you rather train your horse to ride in an Indian war bridle or have a finished bridle horse? Oh, Newt rides in an Indian war bridle, and I think that's the coolest picture I have is running across the field on him. <laughs> Pick a season. Breeding season, foaling season, or sale season? Oh, I would say breeding season. Calf roping or team roping? Alright. Team roping. Would you rather halter break for the first time or give a yearling his first vacuuming session? Oh, vacuuming for sure. They they get so scared, but they love it, especially when it's heat waves like this. They think it's the best thing in the world now. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and then I just have a couple of like your favorite questions. So hopefully I won't stump you too much on these. But yeah, uh, what's your favorite racing bloodline? I love the Ivory James. Um, I think that they make great runners as well as uh, if you have an Ivory James filly, you're you're bound and determined to have a great uh, broodmare later on down the line. Nice. And then on the flip side, what's your favorite cow horse bloodline? Oh, cow horse. I, I like Shining Little Nick. I like the Shining Spark. Um, but this one time is one of the signs we stand here. And I have to say, I've fallen in love with more of his babies uh, on the cow horse side than anything. I think he is a fantastic stallion himself. So uh, I'd go on that side. His name is literally this one time? This one time. And my uh, coworker just sold her uh, colt and his name was at band camp. That's awesome. <laughs> I love both of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, kind of on that same line, uh, which one is your favorite Vista stud? Who do you want to hang out with most? I, I will put the plug in. Not only is it um, sticks with my good thoughts on the racing side, but our stallion, Flair for Ivory, he is just one of the most spectacular studs. Um, you know, I think he he's just one of those stallions that just being around him, he just is a beautiful, beautiful stallion. He's black, he's strong, he's got the best personality, and he's just sweet as they can be. 
Um, he's out, he's by Ivory James and up there named Special Phoebe, um, who's a, a daughter of Special Effort. And that cross has just got to be something special because he, he is just one of the best studs just to be around, best man, easy to get along with. Uh, his babies, I just sent a couple home, and I think that they're going to be racist for sure. Not to mention handsome. Is he coal black? Yeah. He looks pretty dark. Yeah, he's, he, gets, he gets pretty jet black. Wow. He's gorgeous, for sure. And I have special effort right on his papers and Corona Cartel. I mean, come on. That's yeah, nice. for sure. Perfect. Well, that's all my questions. I didn't stump you too much, so uh, I played nice to you today. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. So fun. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for riding along. Know someone that would be great to interview? Have questions you'd like answered on the podcast? Send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond the Saddle Podcast. Find more episodes anywhere that you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.